So hello and welcome to the Salopcast big discussion on uh, how the season should end. Um, joined as usual with Ollie Warner uh, on Zoom this time. Ollie, how are you, my friend? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, we're not not the only people here at the moment, are we? Ollie? We're joined with a few guests who we'll introduce in a minute. But I suppose at the start of this podcast, Ollie, the main thing we're talking about is will the season start or finish? But I think there's a message you really want to get across at the moment about about you know the situation and what's going on, isn't there? Yeah, I think it was just worth putting a caveat at the start that. Um, having this discussion um, but no way means we're saying that football is more important than health Um, I think Mm -hmm. everyone would agree that health comes first Um, we don't want the football season to I personally don't want the football season to start um, when there isn't enough resources and we wouldn't want football or any sport or any leisure or any entertainment to put a strain on the NHS Um, health and um, and the the kind of the ability the health services and the police and other emergency services to support the public obviously comes first Um, so yeah while football is is important to us it's obviously it has a pecking order in in society for sure and that's why it's been good to get a a fair few fans involved in this one really to see if we get some different viewpoints I'm sure everybody echoes what you're saying but maybe we'll all have different views about quite what's going to go on forward here so it's probably worth introducing who we've got a few people have been on the podcast before so we've got Chris Hudson Hello. Yeah, and we've got uh, Tom Griff. Hello. I've got my brother Mike Price back. Hello, everybody. And Phil Thomas. Evening, guys. And a new uh, guest. I don't think you've been on the podcast before, have you, Dan? So, Dan Hoff. You might as well just introduce yourself quickly if you've never been on before. Sure, yeah. Um, native in, in, the, in the deep south, but uh, born and bred in Shropshire. Um, season ticket holder of far too many years uh, um, to, to actually work out thoroughly. So pleased to be here. <laughs> uh, and one of my away sports players this season as well. So, you know, well-respected well mm. baller as well. Um, thanks all for joining us anyway. We've got lots to cover, so we'll, we'll kind of move on to that. But we did, Ollie, want to cover what other people have uh, brought to the, to the situation, haven't they? We, we put out a question on Twitter. Um, and yeah, your, your question was really what would what would happen. So, do you want to run through the first couple of tweets, Ollie, and I'll read the next two. Yeah, sure. It's, um, I think there's a lot of similarity in terms of the comments. So, first we'll go with um, James. When Wilson um, tweet, he said, "If money was wasn't the biggest issue, then yes, he'd want the finish to season. But money, I mean, could we crap, could we scrap the season um, and not end up starting next season until November, or we just waiting mm. for fans beyond January? Could end with two in- incomplete seasons. I think that's quite an important point." trying to complete this season could have an impact on next. Um, and then another tweet was from Lauren Edwards. Nope, she, Lauren doesn't believe the season should end. But money seems to be the main factor is why they want to play. It shouldn't be until it's safe to do so for the players, the staff and the fans. Yeah, and we had a, a message in from Andy Lewis, who uh, actually sits in front of a few of us at the, at the Meadow, and he just put, no, end it now. Football is nothing without fans, which is a, a fairly interesting viewpoint. And um, we've also had one from Mark Lynch, uh, the shoes was for, who said, Interesting. I think I'm getting to the point where lower league football is going to get cancelled. I thought it may come back, but it's nearly been two months. And according to Rick Parry, these clubs need an answer this week as they really can't keep playing, paying players beyond July, which we'll cover. So, yeah, some interesting comments from fans. And, and before we get on to our panel here, Ollie, we've also asked for some comments from the main man at the top, haven't we? Yeah, so we asked Brian Cordwell um, what his thoughts are. Um, I think this could be the the podcast that dates the fastest in terms of how quickly things change. Um, so what did Brian say to us? Um, so Brian said, I'm honestly not sure how we will play out the rest of the season. It's going to end up costing a fortune to play games. First of all, I'm not comfortable putting staff at risk by bringing them back to train and um, play them potentially behind closed doors that will cost um, as would need to pay for some of the stewards, top three fans getting in, travel, hotel costs, etc., with very little income. My main concern is health of the staff, though. And as you appreciate, employers have a duty of care to look after their staff. So that was Brian's view. Um, and then, um, interestingly, in the week, um, the Coventry chairman told Five Live that he, he thinks that maybe players might be back next week. Um, and, um, yeah, the EFL chairman, Rick Parry, was saying there needs to be a deadline soon as well. Um, and then, interestingly, just before we started, um, I don't know if um, Henry Winter has some insight, um, about an hour ago, he tweeted, if, um, if EFL League 1 and League 2 is cancelled as expected, so that was his, his comment, um, the weighted points per game final tables are going to cause a lot of dis- dispa- debate and dispute. Um, is there another mm-hmm. way, though? Um, so interesting, he thinks that the season is, is going to be cancelled. Um, so, yeah, lots for us to discuss, Glenn. Um, lots for us to get our teeth into. There certainly is. I mean, the first place we were going to start, Ollie, um, we call it part one, is, is given our league position, do we even care? As Shrewsbury Town fans, it's, let's bring it right back to our, our hometown club. Um, do we even really care if the season ends, Ollie? So, I, I, I don't know, we can have our say on the end, but should we start with one of our guests? I'll start with him. Yeah. Let's start there. Um, 
Mike, would you be bothered at all if this season didn't come back? No, not at all. Uh, this season's <laughs> been a massive effort. It's been the football's been poor. It's not really been enjoyable for most of it. I'm happy to write it off, pretend it never happened. Um, I don't even want us to get a league position at the end of this season. We'll knock it on the head because it's going to cost us too much money to finish it if we don't get fans in any way. So um, I'd be more than happy to see the end of it, really. And also, if the season gets scrapped completely, I'd love to see the massive freak out we'd see from the Liverpool and the Leeds fans. That would <laughs> make me very happy indeed. Yeah, don't disagree with Mike on the league performance, but just take this into account. If the FA Cup fin doesn't finish, for example, does that mean our result against Liverpool is struck from the history books? You know, we've had some mm. disappointing games this year, but that match of the Meadow coming from 2-0 down to draw 2-2 wasn't just phenomenal for us, but for the nation, and it really put us on the map again. So, it would also mean that we, we lose the terrible replay, though, as well. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, it balances out, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So you're saying, just to be clear then, Mike, you're saying that the season should be voided, not just finished now. Yeah, void it. Because it, whatever they bring back won't be the same as what was happening before. Have an asterisk like, next to it. Exactly, yeah. Just this happened. Then, you know, like the war, the war started and we had to call it quits. Like, because whatever you bring back, if it's shortened games, if it's five subs, if it's behind closed doors games, it's not the same thing that happened before. So it's not a continuation of what, became, what was before it. So knock it on the head, start again when it's safe. I can see Dan nodding his head. What, what do you What do you think about Dan? Because you know, I don't know if you're in agreement, but there's also like Phil points out the FA Cup game getting cancelled. But you know, James Rowland's never made a debut. You know, some players have never scored their first goal. It's a lot of stuff to take off a lot of players, isn't it? Yeah, and you take stuff out of the history books, but it still happened. Mm -hmm. I still flew back from Qatar to watch Shrewsbury Town play at Anfield, and it doesn't matter what anybody says now. That happened, and my wife's mm -hmm. forever going to hold it against me. Um, but I, I think looking at it from the perspective of people I know, and I don't live in Shrewsbury anymore, um, there's quite a few folks who, who, who are having the season of their lives. You know? And I'm not just talking about Liverpool fans, but Brentford. Um, mm. And I, I know quite a few Brentford fans. And, and, and they, they really would, would you know, they, they'll move heaven and earth to try and get this started. And I do feel that much as I, I follow Mike's line, I don't really care either way. I mean, the worst that could happen is we get relegated, but even that's really, you know, a long shot. Um, I think there's a lot of emotional baggage in the season. And so from a football fan perspective, I'd like to get it finished, but not really from a Shrewsbury Town perspective. Uh, season finished in January anyway. Second we got knocked out of that FA Cup, that was it, we were done. You know, <laughs> we've, we've just been coasting ever since. So what difference does it, it make? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Uh, well, I personally feel that, yeah, from a Shrewsbury Town point of view, it doesn't make much difference, does it, the season for us, as Tom just said, was effectively over already. But at the same time, we've been talking here about scrapping the season as though every result is voided. That's not necessarily what's on the table, is it? There's a different yeah. discussion about ending the season, but still finding some way to recognise the results that have happened so far. That would be difficult with cup football, clearly, but would be possible with league football. I think it's sensible in that you don't want to scrap all the results that have happened. Um, I don't think we should use an arbitrary metric such as points per game to decide the promotions and the relegations because, as we know, twists and turns in football, the last 10 games of a season, you can see a team at the bottom win 10, you can see a team at the top lose 10. My suggestion would be leave the season where it is, but say next season, 2020-21, every team starts in the same league they're in at the moment, but on the points they've accrued from last year. You'd obviously have to normalise that for number of games played. So then if you're a team that's near the top and has a huge advantage like a Liverpool, well, you should still go on and win that title or get promoted. Similarly, for those teams at the bottom of the table who've been punished and been there, such as a Bolton, they still have that negative impact to them and their season starts again. So you don't scrap all of those results. People still have an advantage or a disadvantage. You let everyone get safe and then you start at a reasonable time for next season. That's a very complicated solution, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, so, yeah, so we've, we've kind of discussed the Shrewsbury kind of angle. I think we all kind of agree, essentially, it doesn't really matter too much for Shrewsbury, um, but there's a lot of other things at stake. So um, one of the first decisions we're going to have is, is cancelling the season a realistic option? And what are the major ramifications if the season is cancelled? And let's start with you, Chris, what do you think? Is it a realistic option? I'd say you could almost turn that on its head and say, is not cancelling the season a realistic option the further this goes on? You quoted people at the beginning. You've quoted Rick Parry. You've quoted Henry Winter. These are senior people connected to football who are all saying the season's likely to be cancelled. So is it a realistic option? I'd say clearly it is, because there's a lot of people out there saying that's what's going to happen. 
are there ramifications? Yes, but I think we're at the point now where it's a case of choosing the least worst option. I don't think there is a good option anymore. There's no clean mm. option. People talk about fairness. I don't think there's really a fair option left on the table. The football's been stopped for too long. There's too, if you start it again, there's too many complications around contracts, around loan players. It's no longer the same competition it was. So for me, ending it a, a good, the best solution, it's probably the least worst for sure. So yeah, I'd certainly support ending the season now. Well, I thought the point that Chris made about contracts is interesting because we think about contracts within the club. But both the Premier League and, and the EFL would have contracts outside of um, the daily running of football. And, and the threat of legal challenges is, is going to be significant. If people have come to deals, you know, sponsors have come to deals with the EFL or with the EPL and, um, and they don't get the, their product, then legally there's a strong, strong case there. And, and that, could really, um, that could really cost football an awful lot of money. Yeah, I think that's ending the season and not ending it is going to be a big challenge um, from a, a relegation point of view. Um, yes, okay, we said Shrewsbury's season is yeah, it's not a particularly a season that will probably live long in the memory apart from the FA Cup. But if you're a Leeds fan or you're a Coventry fan um, and you've had this whole season, um, I personally find it very difficult at the moment to to see how the season can not end in some way or form. I don't think voiding it is, is practical. And I think if we were to have yeah, a cancelling of the season, I think there would be a lot of um, court cases um, from a you know from a promotion point of view, especially when you get to the higher end of the league. You know, your West Brom's in Leeds trying to get into the into the into the Premier League and the money there is huge. And yeah, I don't know, it's just very, very I don't know, it's it's a it's a very, very complicated um, discussion. Uh, yeah, cancelling it, like wiping everything out, it, it's as realistic as anything else because, like I said earlier on, like what what comes now isn't what was before, so it's not a continuation of the same thing. I quite like Phil's idea of the 96-game mega season. That's, that sounds great to me. Like roll everything to next year, handicap start, and, uh, and see how we get on because if we'd have finished the season in real time, we wouldn't have Ollie Norburn playing for us, arguably one of our best players. If we come back after this break, Norbert's back at the fitness. He's cycling 60 miles a week. You know, we're going to be a different proposition than what came before. So I think for the cleanliness of it all, you can sit down and say, yeah, that's it. If you try and carry it on, it's a completely different beast, I think. I think yeah, I think, I think having a mega, I don't even thought of having a mega season. Wouldn't that be more complicated from a contract point of view? I don't really care about the contracts. I don't work in the football business. I'm a fan. Um, the idea of a mega season is brilliant. The contracts thing for me, I think if you've got, say, a sponsor of the Premier League turns around and says, I'm going to sue the Premier League because they didn't fulfil their fixtures because of the coronavirus, I think that's probably going to get a lot of bad press for that business being uh, sort of graspy in like a national crisis. So I can't see how uh, reputationally businesses are going to take legal action. I think that would blow back with the football fan base uh, against their brand, possibly. You've, you've got to cancel it. There's nothing, no other option ever to cancel it, is there? I mean... We can't, there's not even enough time with contracts anymore. But the issue I've got with it is that we start a new season next season, we still need 24 teams in our league. So you're still going to have to sort out a promotion at least, if nothing else, to you know, get back to normality. Yeah, I find, I find it, yeah, the, the time and challenge in terms of contracts is going to be interesting. Um, and yeah, this is the relegation promotion. For me, should, should not a team that has been performed really poorly not be punished, not punished as such, but relegated naturally? So for South End or somewhere like that, should they do, almost do they deserve a second chance? Nobody wants to see Bolton stay up anyway, do they? So no, they <laughs> don't. We might, we might as well bin them off anyway. So yeah, it's been a long season up to now, like well, it has been for us anyway. But yeah, would it have changed much anyway? Like, who who knows now? Like you know, the integrity of that old league has gone completely. I'm sure you noticed the the leak that came from obviously one of our former players, Alex Rodman, who's uh, who's involved uh, on behalf of Bristol Rovers' players with union negotiations. Where one of the suggestions that came out of it was that you only have promotions, um, and so you you would have 23 teams in the Premier League next year, um, and then teams would go up, but no one would come down. And then next year you have more teams going down to to um, you know to balance that all back out again. I, it's not a proposal I'd thought of until you know. Rodman was was recorded saying saying these things in private. To be fair to him, and that was leaked. But um, I'd be interested to know what the guys make of that. I'd love to hear Jurgen Klopp's comment about having to play an extra six games <laughs> in the Premier League and the impact on his players. <laughs> or even worse, the chairman having to spread the money further over more clubs. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of issues there. I mean, from a fairness point of view, 
absolutely you could say that's a fair thing people don't lose out on promotion but i think it still comes down to there's still a significant number of games to go and unless you are mathematically promoted i don't think it's fair to put teams up there the number of times we see at the end of the season teams changing places having a bad run having a good run you know doing it on points per game at this point in the season when like mike says you've got players out players coming back players suspended that's going to make a huge difference right into the running so yeah, I'm a bit. I think the whole problem with all this conversation is it's all linked to an unknown future in a in a situation which is all pretty unknown anyway. Because you can talk about how we end the season and what we run into, and I know we're going to cover what the implications are, Ollie. But it's, it is all interconnected because, for all we know, we could start a season next year and be back in this situation in six months' time and, and voiding a second season, which would be disastrous for football, wouldn't it? So I am still clinging to a hope that there's some some way that we can finish this season in some acceptable manner where the playoffs have been and you just go with the league table at the end of the season. That's one option, I suppose. We've only got, what, eight games to play and your contracts can run through to July. So there is just about time. You look at the Bundesliga coming back now. I mean, TV money has forced that by the, by the look of it. But they came straight out of their, their quarantine back to playing a game next weekend and there's been no real build-up for the players. They're just going straight back into it because they've kept themselves fit. So there's lots of options there. But... To me, the whole thing is counted on the point that someone's got to make a decision. Um, and we're recording this on, it's Friday night, isn't it? Thursday night, Thursday night, I forgot the day. Um, and apparently we'll make some decision about easing lockdown restrictions on Sunday. So I think that will give football authorities a bit more of a steer as to maybe the longer term so they can make some decisions. But I'm, I'm still hanging on to the hope that we can finish the season because I do, I do like the idea of just having completing it and then taking the risk on next season, I suppose. Yeah, so for me, I know where Glyn's coming from, but at the same time, it's one thing saying that the lockdown may be eased on Sunday in some form, but I think we all yeah. know that the social distancing restrictions, for example, are still going to be in place. To give a daft analogy, on the, on the drive home from work for me today, because I'm still going to work, I was listening to them talk about whether Strictly Come Dancing is going to happen this year. And there was a discussion about whether you could have Strictly Come Dancing with the dancers socially distanced two metres apart. And they were having a serious conversation about how that would work, and they were suggesting it could. Now, I can imagine it could work for dancing. How does it work for football? You can't seriously socially distance footballers. So you're actually asking the footballers to take a risk that the general public are being told they can't take. And for me, it's, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Football is a game when it comes down to it. And I know, you know, Germany's got its proposals. Germany's situation with coronavirus is a little bit different to the UK's in that they're, mm. even though they've got a bigger population than the UK, their number of deaths have been less than a quarter of ours. And also, let's not forget Germany, they may come to rue that as well. Since their footballers came back to training, as of yesterday, I know it was 10 footballers had tested positive for coronavirus. So they, they may come to rue that decision in a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think just before we get into how the season could be finished, which could be involved testings and stuff, so we, I didn't even think about that super season. So I guess if the season is going to end for the options, what are the options? So we've got, I guess, voiding the season completely. We've got this Phil's crazy idea of a mega season, which goes into the season. Um, another option is to do points per game. What other options are there? Try and finish it, although that's unlikely now as time's tick yeah. on. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's my favourite option to try and finish, if possible, to try and finish. Mm. As you said, Ben, there's only eight games left. You could maybe split it into, into four weeks um, and just get it done and dusted. Um, it, just to add on that as well and I completely understand what Huddy said then it's a very well reasoned argument and I totally understand it and it's likely that's going to be the situation but I, I'm just so wary about the situation where we're saying well we football clubs don't want to finish it like Brian said because they're going to lose money on no fans being there yet the very very high likelihood is that we'll start next season and there won't be any fans watching the football anyway so there is some counter argument there I suppose um but, yeah, I, I appreciate that my view I've had all the way through this is slowly being eroded because of time and how much time is not left. And I think within a couple of weeks, no one could really have that argument for trying to finish the season. But we're in the last, like, knockings of it, really. Do you prioritise finishing this season over, the whole, you know, having a whole entire season next season, like with Cups and, you know, Europe and everything sort of thing crammed into it? Or do you just say, well, you know, next season's going to be a mess anyway because it might come back, you know? Do we just say, we'll just try and finish this season when we can, even if that's October, November, and start next season mm. in the new year sort of thing? And, you know, 
It's, it's yeah. what you prioritise. Next season is, is for me one of the one of the major issues as well. Um, so in terms of you know debating whether the season ends, anything, any other points people want to raise? No, I think I could raise it later, but it is worth remembering that the, the 2022-23 season is a total disaster anyway, because there's six weeks off in the middle for the Qatar World Cup. Yeah. So if you're going to organise next season differently, you, you might as well think about how you're going to go into that season as well. Now, I don't, I, that may well be requiring a bit of long-term planning that, that the clubs can't do, but it, it is worth remembering that we've got a load of problems coming down the line here, and it's, that won't just affect the Premier League. You know, there'll be players from all sorts of clubs, and I don't actually know what the AFL's position on 2022, 23 years, but um, the World Cup in the middle of it is definitely going to cause logistical challenges. So, is there a case for thinking about that in this too? We've also got the European Championships as well in 2021, that summer as well. So, yeah, you're just combining um, the congestion, um, pushing forward. And so, yeah, Jurgen Klopp will not be happy with all these games for his players, um, that's for sure. Ollie, I was just going to say, this, the one thing that frightens me about this whole situation, and you know, there's, there's eight of us, nine of us, seven of us, I can't count, um, talking through this now, but where's the leadership from FIFA and UEFA and the really high-level things where you'd think they could try and think about bringing something together? It seems quite piecemeal that it's being decisions made at a very small level with no thought, like Dan's just pointed out, to the wider implications. And, and therefore, you're trying to make these decisions in a bit of a vacuum, really, aren't you, Phil? Yeah, and I think it's fair enough trying to have that joined up thinking, but we've got to remember that governments set their rules here. So um, the French top league, right, has been cancelled, no more play, and that is a government decision that's been made there. And so it comes back into this legal wrangling of, yes, UEFA or FIFA could set their jurisdiction and say, this is what we think should happen, but have they got recourse over the individual governments? Probably not. So that's where it's going to come down to, right? Yeah. And I think also you've got countries, Britain, yeah, it's not very rare. We're at the top of a league table. Unfortunately, we are this one. Um, but yeah, Germany with a lot less deaths. So yeah, I think you've got a lot of different countries. And yeah, God, I'd like to think about other countries as well in terms of outside of Europe. So yeah, I guess there's a lot of complexity for them to deal with. But I think, yeah, we'll definitely need some leadership um, from the football authorities on this, which is probably unlikely to happen, given how football is so fragmented um, over so many different organisations. Um, but if the season is to go ahead, let's let's kind of take this this theory. Um, how will it be managed, and how will the health of players be managed? Um, and yeah, Phil, let's start with you um, in terms of testing. Like, what 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 might happen, or what what might need to happen to to enable this to start? Testing has obviously been in the news a lot recently, with a predetermined target of a hundred thousand tests a day. Whether that means sent out to members of the Conservative Party or not, let's not get too political. But if you were to play this football out, uh, even if we're looking at Premier League, players have got to be tested, right? We need to know if they're, if they're fit and healthy or if they've got COVID. Um, I've seen actually a report today that says some Premier League clubs and Championship clubs have actually bought testing machines at a cost of 36 grand a piece. Now that all sounds great. You have a queue of players getting tested, but they can only be administered two and a half hours per test. In between so you can only max test seven people per day logistically if look at germany they've said you can have a maximum of 300 people in the stadium for a game and you've got to be testing all of those people before a game and in between games it's logistical nightmare right in terms of getting all of that done and i also think how does it work that say if a team manchester city all of a sudden three of their stars come up and they're positive tests for covid and they can't play we can have some sort of international type rule here that says hey you've got three players out with covid you've got to cancel the game right we're not talking about grenadian um appearance here we're talking about covid and at what point does it become impossible to play those games because you've got too many people that are infected one of the worst things that could happen here is we could restart the season and then have to stop it again because of too many infections I'm more interested to hear what Chris, you know, we've had a few fair few days on the podcast, you don't need to hear from me too much on this, but I'm interested to hear what Chris has to say, because I know you were working the NHS, Chris, and have probably got a bit more of a of an idea about the whole testing situation. I mean, do you think something like is being planned or things you see talked about for testing for footballers is A, feasible, and B, you know, is it realistic when a lot of people who are working, say, in the NHS can't really get tested at the moment? I think it would be highly controversial. That's my first concern about that. So the, the testing work, there's two stages to the testing. There's the swab, which is where they come and basically put a stick up your nose and one up the back of your throat and they take the swab. That part of it, are there enough swabs to go around? Probably yes. But those swabs are then sent off to a laboratory and it's the laboratory that then analyzes the swabs and gives you the result. 
the laboratory capacity has been the problem and that's the reason the government has struggled to move up to its 100,000 target. It's getting enough laboratory capacity to process the tests. Now we have increased the laboratory capacity in the UK but if you start using that capacity to test thousands of footballers on a weekly basis I would suggest that's controversial if there's then going to be potentially key workers who then can't get their tests processed in time because they're being used to analyse the tests of lead two footballers. Mm -hmm. That is a fair point isn't it and you know I suppose Michael, Mike really I suppose if that doesn't seem like that you were talking about the reputational hit that say businesses would take by by being a bit I mean, if football comes out of this and it's ploughing ahead with all these plans, football takes a reputational hit in some respects, doesn't it? Just imagine it, that football takes up all these tests per week and they're testing and testing and testing. And then, like Phil says, Firmino, Salah and, uh, you know, what's his name? The other one that plays up front for Liverpool. <laughs> what's his name? Marnie. Marnie. Yeah. Imagine all three of them test positive, right? Liverpool, they're not going to want to keep playing and put the second string in. And so... You can you test on day one, but the next week, if if somebody gets infected, it, it makes a mockery of the testing a little bit. But also, imagine if somebody goes to a game, they let the three hundred fans in, and somebody tests positive, and they get that back later, and then somebody dies reputationally. Like it's a monster. I can't believe anybody would open themselves up to this sort of risk for their own organisation. You know, it, it, it's it's so ridiculous to think that we can start this again when. It appears to be that the infection rates and the death rates are still relatively high. You know, in comparing with with similar nations and things. It seems a nonsense to be talking about football. Well, I, f I follow Germany quite a bit for various reasons, work-related, and, and it, it's not uncontroversial in Germany either. There's plenty of people making the same arguments as Chris, that although they're doing a lot of tests, that they, they could always be doing more. Um, and, I mean, ultimately, I, I think Mike hits the nail on the head, really. It, it, it's all okay if there aren't any problems. Um, but what is the percentage chance of there being a problem? And, and it's got to be high. And so I, th I think we're going quite quickly into this and we need to be aware that there could be a quagmire around the corner. And, and I think that has to be very carefully uh, um, thought through. I think that the, the challenges that might come through the courts, and there might well be some, um, I, I think we have to take that risk, or football should, from a moral perspective, take that risk. Because ultimately, if people start dying, um, or people are, are not given tests because, as, as was said earlier, lead to footballers are, then, then I feel really uneasy about that as a football fan. It's one for Tom, really, I suppose. You know, we all sit quite close together in the stadium. You know, you know we're on each other's backs, basically, when we're there. I mean, if, if you went back to football and, and it got to the point where everyone's been tested, would you, you know, say you were in there with three or four hundred people and even socially distanced, would you feel awkward about it still? If it was socially distanced and we'd all been tested, then there shouldn't be that much of a risk, really, should there? But it's, it's a risk to take that's, you know, football isn't essential. In any way whatsoever, it's not essential. Like, is it? It's it's an entertainment. But I don't know. To me, Germany's the bird down the mine. Like, isn't it? If if, if it goes well there, then maybe in a month's time we could follow. But if you've got even three hundred fans at a stadium, it's all right to say you can socially distance them at the moment the whistle goes. What happens if three minutes into the game, Oliver Norman smacks one in from forty yards? Ollie, are you honestly telling me you're not going to turn to your brother sat four seats down and instinctively run up and jump to celebrate with him? I would say it's going to be very hard to keep those people socially distanced through a football match. Or even outside the football stadium, Ollie. That's one of the things that you've seen yeah. up as well recently, isn't it? Is if you play a game Imagine the queues for the toilets. <laughs> and well, that's, yeah, that was one of the things they were talking about. Airports, you can't socially... Like the, the queue for a jumbo jet would be one kilometre long. Like, yeah. But even, but even on the field, distance. guys. Yeah, exactly. exactly. How football is going to tackle? Well, you know, well, then, the, the, the whole... They're going to have to play the game fully, aren't they? They're not going to be able to social, and that's why I think the testing is so key. Um, and yeah, as, as we knew, as we said, as we've tried to prepare for this podcast, um, there is just so many questions um, and concerns that, yeah, until there's a vaccine and people are healthy, um, trying to start football is going to be yeah very very difficult. So um, in terms of um, in terms of so we've talked about fans, we've talked about tests. Um, financial implications are going to be huge. Um, and Phil, um, Shrewsbury Town get a lot of their income. From from fans going to games? A lot of clubs do. And, you know, looking at the various chairmen and CEOs who post on Twitter, social media, have been in the press, you know, they're saying that if we went back to a season, even with nine or 10 games, you have to run those games behind closed doors. You still have a lot of the costs up front that you would have anyway, but without the revenues coming in. Now, granted, some of our revenues, Shrewsbury, are through season tickets. Uh, would they need to be refunded if you couldn't get a ticket to the game? But also the lost revenue through corporate, 
sponsorship, buying food and drink at the grounds, etc. This is going to cripple clubs who are already in a financial difficulty. So could clubs go ahead and play those games behind closed doors with all these logistical challenges? Maybe. But would it mean that the club isn't there at the end of the season? Possibly. You know, and then that brings a lot of other problems with it. Just to interject, Ollie, how many, I mean, I know a few of us are season ticket holders. Uh, how many of, so Chris, have you renewed your season ticket yet? I'm afraid to say I haven't. I feel guilty about okay. that. I have so every Tom? to do so, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, I, I've got to be in the bottom about that no not, not touching Mike, it yet Daniels? I am not and I don't feel guilty about that at all and I I'm not sure Dan I'm sure you're not proceeding to get old as are you but I am no, I, he is. I, no am. I am oh are you sorry Dan, Dan you? I'm, I'm sort of gambling my, my wife won't listen to this because I'll say yeah I have <laughs> <laughs> you have renewed oh okay fine yep, so, I, renewed. I, know Ollie, I know Ollie has but I haven't so you know what is I, it you know four, four of us that haven't and two have I think that's probably quite a fair balance of where we're at considering we normally sell 3,000 we've only sold 1,000 so far so the financial implications are now. You know, we're not talking about the future. The club are down two thousand pounds worth, two thousand season ticket sales already. So we can survive that, as, as Phil just said. But so many other clubs are going to be on their ass for this, aren't they? That's why I did it, um, Glenn. To be honest, I mean, I would have, yeah. I would have done it anyway. I've done it for the last thirty odd years. But at the same time, the, the club needs a bit of backing at this time. And I, I totally understand that not everybody can afford to do it. That's a different point, though. Um, I, I would have done it. So I, I, I just carried on as normal. And I think the club's pretty well run, and, and the little bit I can contribute, well, all good. I've, I don't know, I've, only, yeah. I've only reviewed because I'm hoping somebody else will buy my seat and then I have to not sit by Glenn at the matches. That's what I'm hoping <laughs> happens. Maybe we should advertise Fair the enough. seat number so no one buys it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of managing a game, it's going to be, it's going to be complicated. Um, I'd be interested to see if people would actually even want to go to a game. Would you guys feel comfortable going to a football match? I would, and I think I would stay away from people. If it was 300 people in the hole in the meadow, I think I'd feel quite safe. I suppose it's about risk at the moment and how you feel about going out and doing things. I know we've probably all been to a shop or been to a garage to pull your car up. You have to judge your risk at everything you do at the moment, don't you? And I suppose you would have to, you'd have to do that. But I'm, I'd, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if someone here said I wouldn't do it. I, 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 sorry, I wouldn't be surprised if someone said I wouldn't do it. I don't know. What about, what about you, Mike? Yeah, I don't think I would. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of going to the, um, to the supermarket at the moment. It's, you know, it, it doesn't feel like a risk worth taking to go buy some food. To go and watch Sam Ricketts football? No, not really at the moment. Um, until the, like, I don't know what the... I know what Glenn does, but I don't know what the guy who sits on the other side of me does in between matches. You know, does he work in the NHS? Is he in, is he in, a, is he in a high-risk environment? You know, I don't know. So why would I put myself at risk for that, bring it home to my family? You know, I'd much rather stay healthy and be able to see my older parents than mm. go and watch football at the moment. It, again, but maybe I'm risk-averse, who knows? Yeah, and also, you live two miles from the ground, whereas someone like Dan, living down in London, you're not going to take that huge risk of travelling across the country, are you? Well, I don't think I'm going to be asking, to be honest. I think if football does start, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be one of the 300 lucky lucky souls who are, who are going to be mm. in the ground. So I think being realistic, um, I'm not going to see time play live. Probably, I'm sort of thinking until January. Uh, I think it'll be a long time before um, before season ticket holders en masse are invited back in. Yeah, and I think that's, a, that's going to be an interesting one. One, from a financial implication um, in terms of income coming, but then also in the costs, obviously, managing a game, the, the hotel costs, um, Obviously, player wages cost is something that's already been paid for at the moment because the club are not furloughing staff or didn't do it for April anyway. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, they, how that can be managed. Um, it'd be interesting as well if, how fans react because, yeah, I've seen some fans having mixed views. Um, some fans um, won't buy season tickets. Some people may even ask for money back. Um, but, yeah, in terms of let's close this section off about if, how the season will go ahead. If we do finish the season, it's very unlikely that we'll get all the games by, paid by the 30th of June. Um, so to do that, we'd potentially need contracts to be extended. Um, to do that, I mean, I guess the players would have to extend for a month. And would the players be able to do that? And does that mean that we actually end up going to court and players then are going to be arguing, you know, the player that would move to a big club and maybe get a big pay rise will probably be quite aggrieved. But the guy who potentially is not going to get a contract renewed is probably going to be quite happy. Um, and again, you need to have the same squad to have that integrity of the league. Because if you still have huge changes to your squad, then yeah, the teams are not the same anymore. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So football's going to be completely different now, right, going forward. We've talked about the financial stability of a lot of clubs, and that's surely going to impact on the transfer market. So you mentioned that player going to a bigger club and getting a pay rise. Is that going to be off the cards? You know, which players are going to be able to actually afford transfer fees? There's also talk about the championship and other leagues setting player salary caps 
you know, in the championship of seven grand a week they're talking about, whereas the average player already earns eight and a half. So I think the contracts piece is going to be tricky if you extend it by a month. Are those players at the end of their careers really going to want to play, especially if it's in a mid-league, mid-table, dead rubber of a match? Will they just say, screw it, I'm not bothered? You know, I can see all sorts of problems there. One thing I was going to say on contracts while we were talking about it, and I'll throw this question to Chris, I think. If, if put yourself in the mind of Omar Beckles, right? In, the, in this situation now, the club would, let's assume they want to keep Omar Beckles. It's a risk to offer him a contract without knowing what's going to go on next season now. And you wonder whether we're not offering those players out of contracts because, because of those risks now. But if you were Omar Beckles and you got offered a contract at Shrewsbury, would you sign it or not now knowing that there's so much risk you might get another two years at Shrewsbury getting paid your wages? It's likely to happen. And, you know, I don't know. What, what do you think about one of our players that's out of contract at the moment? Because that, that's going to play into how the season finishes. Oh, I read recently, didn't we? I saw a story from Sam Ricketts saying contract discussions are on hold again. It made me... Okay, Mr. Sam. That's a story I feel like we read every season with Shrewsbury Town. I feel it gets to about every March and every year there's a story in the Star saying contract talks are on hold. So I didn't, I didn't find that remotely connected to coronavirus. It just felt like classic Shrewsbury to me. We always used to do our contract discussions after the season. So somebody like Omar Beckles, if he was offered a contract right now, I suspect he'd snap their hand off, wouldn't they? Because he, mm. I know you see stories online claiming bigger clubs are looking at him, but I do sometimes wonder if that's agent talk. I like Omar Beckles, but he hasn't exactly played a lot of football in the last 12 months. So it feels hard to me to believe stories when I look at the likes of Hull City being linked with him or something. I just think to myself, that just feels unlikely to me. It just feels highly unlikely. So if I'm Omar Beckles, yeah, there's a bit of certainty there. And if we're going to talk about that particular player, he's obviously settled in this town. He seems to be well-established here, popular with our fans, I'm sure. His prospects probably weren't looking that great for staying a few weeks ago. So in his position, yeah, I'd snap your hand off right now for a two-year contract. Mm. Just less risk, Ollie. That's all I thought in yeah. terms of someone like Omar, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think the contracts point's a good one. Um, Rick Parry said 1,400 players' contracts expire on the 30th of June. So that's a huge issue. Um, but then also, if you're a club that's, you know, in, was it Southend and Macclesfield didn't pay wages in, um, earlier on before even COVID hit? So you're going to be in a situation where play, clubs might decide not to sign new contracts with players because. Um, Obviously, they could help their cash flow by not paying those wages. And then when the season does start, yeah, it's gonna have to, you're going to have to have some kind of transfer window. So, yeah, it's just throwing so many obstacles and so many hurdles to, one, either get this finished season and even just to get next season started. Maxfield deducted seven points today because they're not paying their players and not fulfilling a game. So, yeah, I mean, culture things. Go on, Dan. Culture's to let a load of players go as well, Glyn. You know, yeah. I mean, and... and I think we, we forget that for all Shrewsbury Town sins and, and, you know, no matter how dull some of the football's been this year, the club's pretty well run. Um, and a lot of clubs are not pretty well run. There could well be a significant number of clubs that are, are going through existential crises through all of this. And, and we're not one. Um, and, mm. I, and I think, you know, to, to back up Chris there, if Omar Beckles is offered a two-year contract, he'd be a lunatic not to sign it. As would any other player at Town. We must be in the driving seat to sign Will Gridden now as well, I reckon, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it, it, say there's potentially a, a, a bit of an advantage for Shrewsbury here. There's probably yeah. some good players at badly run clubs who either aren't now or may not be getting paid their wages in the immediate future. You get them in at the end of their contract and say, look, we paid all our players 100% for the entire duration of that. We will be able to continue to pay you. I mean, at the moment, I think footballers with their salaries are going to be relatively risk averse when they come to their next destination for playing their football. And we can come out of this and, as long as everything stays as it should. We can come out of this and stay. We're a very stable place for you to play your football and make your money. So, you know, there's, there's possibly an upside for Shrewsbury Town on this. You know, you know what? All, that all sounds well. spot on, doesn't it? That sounds spot on what Mike just said. My fear there is that unfortunately football doesn't seem to be logical. And my fear is <laughs> that when everything gets up and running again, agents will be doing their thing, Sunderland will be on the phone offering stupid money, and the players will go where the money is still um, yeah. because that's what their agents will tell them to do. I hope you're right. I hope I'm totally wrong, but I'm a bit cynical with the way football's run, and I'll be surprised if suddenly every footballer has an awakening and goes, you know what, I'm going to go to the good old shrews because they're safe. I'm not it's sure. It's really funny. It's really funny you say that, Chris, because I, I did an interview with Martin Canadine, who wrote the, the book The Ugly Game. Um, it's got a really good Twitter account. It kind of covers the, the dark side of the game. But he's doing a new book about football and, and some of the issues going on with it. And at the end of the conversation, we talked about coronavirus. And I echoed what you just said, that this could be the time to rebalance football, the time for everything to kind of just have a reset. And at the end of the conversation, we both said, we're both so naive. It ain't going to happen, is it, unfortunately? But this is the only time you would ever get to have that happen. And, and I, don't, I still can't see it personally. 
Yeah, there was the Peterborough chairman was saying this is a chance for football league clubs to say, you know, we're going to give you a max fee to any loan player and things like that. But yeah, what do you think about this, Tom? Didn't it come out today or yesterday that they're going to have a look at all the parachute payments from the Premier League down to the Championship and start redistributing that wealth out a bit better as a you know side effect of all of this? Just because, you know, when we get back to being fans in stadiums again, you know, whether that's 18 months, you know, next season, whenever, we probably won't have 48 teams in the League One and League Two. You know, we'll probably, we might lose a dozen of them. I agree. It's not, it's not just Championship either, Ollie. Like you mentioned on the finance pod you did with Ant about how when in 2018-17-18 season we were obviously playing Wigan and Blackburn for the title, we couldn't go over our FPP. But because Wigan had come down, they had this flexibility to, to break the rules a little bit and, and outspent us by four times on wages. So, you know, it, it, if you're going to rebalance that Premiership to Championship, it can filter down to the next level, can't it, Mike? Yeah, I also think there's potential clubs are going to are going to see footballers as more of the liabilities that they are on the wage bill. Certainly, footballers that don't play, footballers that don't really contribute, and they may well start carrying smaller squads, not so much of the hoovering up of youth players. And there might be a bit of a cascade down the leagues of some slightly better quality players that we can get hold of. Because I think football teams might look at their their sort of their outgoings and their expenditure and say, "And we need to trim a bit here because you don't know when the next crisis like this is coming." Um, so again, there could be a whole shake-up in the way football finances and the way footballers look for contracts and where they end up. That might be an interesting outcome from all this. It'd be, it'd be lovely to think that yeah, Shrewsbury can benefit a little bit from our financial stability and maybe that football is going to be sensible. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, we don't see that happen too often. Phil, what do you reckon? I think a couple of the points that have been echoed so far that Shrewsbury come out smelling of roses, I think, in this situation in that they've agreed to pay all of their staff, not just the players 100%, they set up the stadium as a testing centre, right? They've been helping out in the local community, sending out packages to their, you know, kind of fans in need, as it were. I even saw the birthday cards and message that went to the fan turning 100 years old today, right? It's a place players should want to come. Like Glyn says, we might be a bit naive, but if there are salary caps introduced, if there are teams that are struggling with their finances, Shrewsbury should be one of the top places that lower league footballers want to come to to play football. Yeah, I wouldn't. The problem with it, one part of that is that salary cap sounds very, very attractive, but salary caps in, in major sports work when uh, money is redistributed elsewhere uh, and it's not in football. So you, what you're really saying is we need a fundamental reorganisation of the way football governs itself and the way football pays itself. And in other news, a pig's just flown over my house. You know, it, I, I can't see that happening. So <laughs> the salary cap is one step in a, in a much longer journey, but clubs, clubs at the top end of the spectrum don't want to take that journey and they have no legal obligation to do it and they definitely don't have any financial imperatives to do it so I think that sort of revamp I think we are we are being hopeful do you yeah. think there's any chance for a breakaway either from yeah. the top or from the bottom yeah yeah significant I think top two divisions yeah I think there's a significant chance of it I think there's a chance that you could all break up um is that going are you going to get chairman working together because I can't remember a time it's it's ever happened where football clubs have come together. We see how the EFL has gone. Um, one question I wanted to ask, um, maybe this is a good time to ask it. Do we think that the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two all need to do the same thing? Do we all need to follow the same pattern? Or could each league do its own thing? I, I do, Ollie. I think if the Premiership are going to plough on with it, it feels a bit hollow for, uh, for the Football League not to, to do something because it's just hoovering up more money and more coverage and more national exposure. But then on the flip side, if the EFL do it, then I would feel bad for the teams in the conference and, and other teams who yeah. then obviously called their season off. So where you know where do you where do you pull that line? Um, so I don't know. That's what I think. What, what about you, Paddy? Uh, I think consistency says that they've got to all do the same thing. Really, I'd find yeah. it a bit galling if, for example, if the Premier League carried on and the rest of us stopped, or vice versa for that matter. If the Premier League made a call to stop, but the EFL actually said we're going to play through, I don't see how that works or makes sense. So, I, I was interested with the tweet that Ollie referred to at the beginning from uh, Henry Winter saying that League One and League Two are going to be stopped. I thought that was interesting language. League One and League Two. What about the Championship in terms of the EFL? That that tweet to me suggested that Henry Winter and the EFL won't do it all in the same way, and that feels mm. preposterous to me. Well, I think that the, I mean, speaking as someone who knows one or two folks in, who work in the EFL, that they they feel that the um, that they feel that like the Championship is a different world to League One and League Two. And the championship clubs in this sort of circumstance are working much closer together than you might expect. They're, they're, they're trying to get a consensus position that moves forward. 
And I, I think League One and League Two are, are, are cut out of that, really. The Championship views their problems and their issues as being something for them to solve. So how would that work? Would, you, would they say that, yes, they would allow Coventry City to get promoted on the basis of 29 games, but they're going to make their teams play out the full 46? You know, I, I don't quite get that. It feels weird. Well, well I, can't, I can't answer that because I'm, I'm not the person making the decisions. But I think what they're <laughs> looking for is, is their, is their immediate be future. Well, I say that as well, Chris. I've always said that, but no one listens to me. Um, but I do think that they are looking for their interests at the moment. And they're talking about the clubs in the Championship rather than anybody else who might, might come in next year. So not just about, yeah, there, there has been rumours, haven't there, for a while that maybe the Championship will form some kind of um, Premier League too. Um, and yeah, they, I wonder if it's whether, um, yeah, I find it interesting, isn't it, that you're going to have the teams that are mid-table though, are going to work together. The teams like Leeds and West Brom that could get that 200 million payday. It's interesting to think that they are working together. Well, as the guy who interviewed me today said, when you're talking about, um, you know, the Championship and the Premiership and then everybody else, you know, he asked a general question in the conversation when we were talking about football and what's happened to it. He said, does, does any, do you think anyone really cares enough about Shrewsbury Town, uh, you know, on the top tables? And in reality, to the Premiership and Championship clubs and, and to a lot of the organisational things, small clubs like Shrewsbury, Accrington, Wickham, I mean, you know, we're, we're so far down the pecking order as to not even be considered most of the time for these key decisions. So, um, yeah, it, it comes back, I suppose, Tom, to that whole nature of football, the pecking order, how it's changed and how the top, the top teams have more than... More than anything, really. That's never going to change, is it? <laughs> this isn't going to stop that. You know, they've got the TV money. We Sky aren't going to pay us millions and millions of pounds to carry on playing like they. So they wouldn't pay us the Liverpool game. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not really going to help, but is it, Ollie? I, I suppose, yeah. No. I mean, that's, that's a, a good, good kind of summary, summation of where we're at with, with that conversation. But I don't know where, where, where are we up to, where, Ollie, on the agenda. This has been there's so much to cover on this. Yeah, we've gone off on a few tensions, but we're all doing quite well. So, um, so we've talked about kind of like trying to end the season. Um, we we're going to try and think about like if this is anything else to talk about the current season, how it could impact next season. Um, and it's yeah, I find it as each week goes on, and for me, the likelihood of the season ending um, gets more confusing. But I think the likelihood of even how next season starts, for example, that's all. It's like I don't know when do we foresee next season starting. I can't see it being until maybe, I don't know, December, November, December, potentially. Let's, let's, go, around, let's go around the room, Ollie. I'll, I'll ask everyone. So give us a date so we can mark this down and we'll, we'll revisit this podcast when football restarts. Start with you, Phil. When do you think, yeah, two questions. When do you think football will restart? And when do you think you will be allowed to watch a Shooter Town game again? Super season, super season, 92 oh, games. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I think, I think the, the season, especially League One and League Two, will, will cut without playing any more games. And what I think that means is that the 2021 season, being optimistic, will start around October. Not quite August, but, you know, close to this side of Christmas. When will I be able to go to a game or any of us be attending a game? I would say January. Again, I think... Chris? That's yeah, that's optimistic. What about you, Chris? Any advance on those? I agree with a lot of what Phil said. I don't think there'll be any more action in the 2019-2020 season. So I think the next football we see will be the first game or the next game of football we're able to watch in some form anyway will be the start of the 2020-21 season. I suppose if you're talking about people wanting to restart the current season now then, or in a, in a few weeks anyway, then there's no reason why next season can start maybe slightly sooner than Phil said. So maybe September, if we're, as long as coronavirus remains under control and continues to go in the right direction. And I agree mm. that you probably won't be able to get in the stadium and watch it yourself until, yeah, probably next year. Yeah, just interesting. So and I guess one of the points we haven't actually mentioned or the word that hasn't come up yet is the word vaccine. And do we need a vaccine before we, we, we kind of start... Uh, the games again. Maybe we'll come back to that in a minute. The season should have started on 1st of August, is it, this time round? Um, if we cancel this season, we might as well start at the 1st of August and then try and bunch as many games as early as possible and just have like a contingency, a bit of fluidity in the fixtures because people are going to get it and games are going to be called off because of it. You know, we're going to need a lot of time to finish that season off. You know, we could, could need 12 months to finish that season off as well. So uh, I'd start it as soon as you can and get on with it. Um, when, when, when do you think you'll be able to go again? Yeah, we won't be in a, in a stadium this year at all, will we? I mean, maybe next summer. I, I cancelled yeah. my Euro tickets anyway. I'm getting a refund for them. So. <laughs> I'm not, we, I'm not going off. for the one next year. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, Mike? Optimistic. Yeah. What about you? 
I think what Ollie's saying is key. I think, I think until there's sort of a widespread vaccine, how can you have a mass gathering of people? Now, you can start the season with no fans and behind closed doors. But again, then you go back to where you've still got to be testing the footballers or are they going to get preferential priority for any sort of vaccine that comes out? And I think it's, again, it's, it's littered with potential uh, banana skins for everybody. So, I don't know, a date for me, I think football, they will, they will kick it off again. It'll probably be in sort of October, December. But I don't think people will be widespread going back to matches. Shoot, halfway through next year, maybe later, I think. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you, Chris. I know you've got a point, but go on, Dan. Let's, let's have your, just your... Because yeah, we're definitely no, going to revisit this. <laughs> yeah, not, not much to add, to be honest. I, I, um, I, I'd be very surprised if there's any League One, League Two football. I think there might well be Championship football and, and EPL football. Um, and I, I'm sort of in the, in the October camp for, for when things might start. A lot depends on the Bundesliga, I think, and, and how the Bundesliga goes in the next few weeks. Um, and I agree with the guys. I'm not going to be in, in the new meadow until January at the earliest, that's all. Uh, yeah, just the conversation about vaccines, I suppose. The thing about vaccines is that this vaccine's being tested right now. But I think some people, they watch the news and hear that there's a laboratory testing a vaccine and they think, fantastic, you know, next week I'm going to be down at a clinic getting an injection. It doesn't work like that. So a vaccine trial takes months because they then they put that vaccine inside you. They then have to monitor how that person goes over a very long period of time. So how long will it be before we can have a working vaccine? If the trials already underway are successful, you're probably still looking at next summer before you could have a vaccine in, in place that people could use. And that's an incredibly optimistic timescale for a vaccine. So you're not going to see vaccines before then. But the other thing that you might see that also could be a game changer is different types of tests. So right now, the coronavirus test that is out there tells you if you've got coronavirus right then at the moment you were tested. That's all it tells you. If they can find some way to develop what's called the antibody test, that will test whether you've got coronavirus, but it will also tell you if you've previously had it. Now, if you've got a test out there that tells people that they've had coronavirus, and if the science goes on to prove that that means you're now immune from having coronavirus, that's a different story, because you can put people in a stadium who you know are safe. And that test is probably more likely to be around before we have a working vaccine. Yeah, I think the um, safety of fans going to games, um, yeah, I've me and my wife have already spoken there's no way i'm getting on a plane going abroad this year absolutely no way um yeah it will if people want to go to games it's going to be um it's going to be fascinating to see how 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 the season ends how the season starts and i think there's going to be definitely a long-term impact not only those that unfortunate folks that lose jobs but also if people actually even want to go to football anymore just with going to football i think is there going to be a point where, you know, I think we'll be back in saying before we get a vaccine, I think people will, you know, be willing to take the risk before it gets to that point. But are we going to be saying no over 45s, you know, no over 35s? Are we going to be segregating the fans like that to make it more safe? Is that, is that a realistic option? I might have been that, Tom. Yeah, here, here. Over 45s, <laughs> easy, easy does it, mate. <laughs> if, we cut all the over, if we cut all the over 45s, we won't have to worry about getting more than 300 fans, so that's fine. So no, just, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, Phil could probably tell us off the top of his head how many fans are over, over 55. <laughs> oh, I'd have to pull out my stats for that, but yeah, it's a lot. It's one of our biggest buckets, right, in terms of supporters. Although Salop have done really well in the younger age groups, we know that over the middle ages, that's where the majority of our fans are. So yeah, it could be impacted the most. An interesting one on decisions and stuff is kind of kids going back to school because, again, you know, I take my children to football, I suppose. If they're going back to school, you know, my perceptible risk of taking them to a football match would probably be equivalent. So I suppose it, it depends on, on, you know, and we look a long way back from kids going to school, you know, we're talking probably September next term now. But, you know, there, there's certain, I think for the perception of people, there's going to be certain milestones of little things reopening. And I think football will filter into one of those things. And, yeah, you know, you'll make your risk assessment on, on that basis, I suppose, then, because, you know, for example, my, me and my brother play golf quite a lot and golf is possibly one of the most sports that will start soonest because it's possibly the most socialised, isolated sport. I, I don't think I would have any perceptual risk about playing golf in the next six weeks if, if things were eased, but football maybe not at that point. So, you know, I think everyone would have to make their own judgment at that, at that stage. Especially you know? when you're in the rough all the time, Glenn. You'll be fine, mate. I'm miles away from everyone. <laughs> I play golf. <laughs> so I think Ollie brought up an interesting thing about football's a habit. So a lot of people that have got a few weeks into not going to the football, you know, there will be the, the people who drop out of the habit of football and that might affect crowds and the willingness of people to go to the football anyway. You look at the season ticket renewals, people aren't renewing because they're not sure what's about or whether 
they're not interested in the risk of going to the football. So although town with their financial setup might be attractive to footballers, they've got to do a real job of attracting those football fans back to the match after all this is finished because people are finding other things to do with their time now. Well, Mike, are they finding other things to do with their time? They're stuck at home. I'm finding other things to do with my time. I've seen a lot more of my kids, so I'm desperate to go back to the football. <laughs> no, we, me and my wife were talking about these habits, actually, when we were walking our dog today. Yeah, because, yeah, you do get a habit of things. You know, are people going to go to you know, spend £4 on a Costa, Costa coffee when, they've got, when they haven't done it for every, every day for quite a while? There's going to be a lot of habits that change. And, yeah, there's definitely going to be, I think, an impact on, on attendances. Yeah, and we, we've been obviously helping the football club with some of their media stuff in terms of helping select old games and, and we've been talking to the guys there. And obviously we see our analytics for the podcast and the Twitter and stuff. And there's a definite downturn in interest in Shrewsbury Town, which is obviously logical. It's probably just like the summer period. But um, I don't know, for me, if you really love football and you're, you're passionate about your football club, you'll be biting at the teeth to get back in the stadium and watch some football. It depends. Even if Sam Ricketts is the manager, I want to watch some football. But I, 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 I do understand that there will be people that, like Mike's identified, that will just eventually find something else to do. We, we've known people in our, in our family life who've been mad Chief Town fans and for one reason or another have just stopped going. So I doubt it'll be any of us nine, Dan, but there are people like that, aren't there? Yeah, I think it's a real challenge, but I think that's one of the things that you can't control. And, and I think that ultimately, you know, that there are more sort of here and now problems to deal with than, than, than the long term question of how many people are going to go back uh, when, when all, is, all, all is fine again. But I mean, it, it, it is one of those challenges that football will always have. No? There's always going to be plenty of other things for people to do. Um, there's always going to be times in people's lives where they, where they don't go as frequently. But I think football and Shrewsbury Town have, have been pretty good at, at keeping the product, if that's the right word, um, attractive enough for, you know, for five or six thousand people to keep going. So um, I, 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 buy, I buy the problem, but I think that there are other things for me um, in the here and now that are more significant, to be honest. No, yeah. It's going to be a struggle for all businesses. Any entertainment product is going to struggle post this. You know, cinemas are kind of chomping at the bit to get back into action so that they can show their, their summer blockbusters, the Bond film, etc. is coming out. And so they've got to work out what they do with social distancing. And then you've got the other added thing about holidays, right? A lot of people would have been taking vacations, flying, etc. That's obviously impacted by the number of people who can go there. So it's, it's not just going to be football that's rethought here. It's a whole, I hate to use the phrase new normal that gets banded around, but that's going to be the case. People are going to decide what they want to do and that'll, that'll make decisions for us. It's interesting. We've got seven fans, seven people, and we've all got a different opinion. We've all got a different idea of when the season should start. We've all got a different idea of how the season could start next year. Yeah, trying to get um, 90 or so football clubs together to try and come to consensus. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, I was going to say, I've got five opinions myself. That, that yeah, exactly. You know, it depends yeah. on, on what evidence is put in front of me. So I really do think, to be fair, this is an almighty great nightmare to have to, have to wade through if you're a football administrator. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Has anyone changed their opinion going through this? I'm more confused now than I was at the start, I think. <laughs> um, and I've been listening to a podcast on The Athletic, reading articles on BBC, or reading all sorts of things. And yeah, now I'm, I'm more confused than ever how it's going to happen and yeah, where we're going to be in a few months' time. It's interesting to talk about it. At the end of the day, we will be led by whatever decisions are made and what, what the, the circumstances for us to go back to football, I guess. But um, yeah, it, it is fascinating how varied people's opinions can be. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there will be a consensus down the line, won't there, Chris? Yeah, at some point there has to be a consensus, but I think my opinion has moved <laughs> as this has gone along, to be honest. So if, you'd, if we'd been doing this podcast a month ago, I was probably at that point firmly in the camp of we've got to finish this season. But as the last month's progressed, I've moved to the point that I think it's mm -hmm. clear in this conversation, I'm in the position now of end the season. Because as I see it, I see in the last month that there's not been enough progress for me that I don't feel it's any more realistic. A month ago, I thought it was still realistic. At this point in time, I don't feel that's a realistic option anymore. And so, yeah, that's where my position's changed, just the evolution of time and unfortunately the lack of progress we've seen in that time. And, you know, it, it's not that long ago that we were being told that, you know, if the government keeps the number of deaths down to 20,000, that would be a success. And here we are in our early May and we're way beyond that figure. So this, the situation's proved to maybe be worse than was being anticipated back in February, March. And for me, that has to have a bearing on how my views are reflected for football mm -hmm. as well. It's also worth remembering, Chris, that, that, and it sounds horrifically management speak, and I apologise for it, but non-decisions are decisions. 
and we've had six weeks, eight weeks of non-decisions for perfectly understandable reasons, but they become decisions in the end. It becomes so late in the day to actually organize anything um, responsibly and effectively that, that not doing anything is your decision. It, it forces your hand. And I think we're quite close to the point where, where, where that, that penny drops. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Time, time is, is ticking um, in terms, especially with the contractor situations. And as time ticks on, it comes, comes even more difficult and more hurdles and the hurdles become greater. So that you might end up here having to take a, a decision that yeah three weeks ago seemed unlikely um, and even probably impossible it becomes possible the impossible comes possible as you as you go on the timeline it's going to be fascinating to unfold Ollie, in all honesty and and there are so many complications and working parts of this whole conversation that whatever decision is made someone's going to feel gypped about something i, I feel and um and there is no really winning situation, is there? And um, as, I, as I said, if we're kind of trying to, we're kind of getting towards a, a sort of narrative end at this point, but I'll start with Tom, you know, that there isn't going to be a situation where everyone's going to come out of this happy. Either fans are going to be annoyed because they can't watch football, football clubs are going to be annoyed they've lost out on their promotions, all sorts of things. It's, it's, all, it's all going to end up with a big argument down the line, I think. Well, yeah, nobody's going to be happy. I mean, everybody's got different vested interests, haven't they? But I mean, like, none of our opinions are okay. None of like the football teams we support, Kate. You know, certainly the Premier League that matters. They'll decide it all. So, <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> it's, got, it's got it's got to be safe at the end of the day, isn't it? And and we're not there yet. No. Go ahead, I, I think that, I, I think going if you just look at football in isolation within the coronavirus, it's it's laughable. You keep the teams separate, they train separately, you drive them down separately to the stadium. They have to all stay in separate rooms. You get them to the stadium, they can get changed separately, they can warm up separately. The game kicks off, in the first corner, they're all over each other, elbowing each other, rubbing each other's faces. Like, it's laughable. It, like, how, how can that even be thought to be something that can continue until the whole crisis is under control? It's, it's beyond me, frankly. Spitting's got to be a red card from now on. Definitely, yeah. and those and those you like know. snot rockets yeah. as well at the nose. Yeah. <laughs> we we need a set a new we need a new set of coronavirus type rules, don't we? You know, no celebrating with the fans. You know, that's obviously a book in previously. We'll keep that because got to the keep shirt. your social distance. Put your shirt Shirts. over your head. It's probably a good one. Put it over your head. <laughs> your mouth, yeah. Your nose. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, you want to add yeah, something, be... Dan? Yeah, I was going to say if if you want to see how, how absurd it can get. Um, remember Solomon Kalou used to play for Chelsea. He's playing for Hertha in, in, in Germany. And he's already in the middle of a massive scandal because he went back to training and started hugging everybody, you know. And, and um, his Facebook profile was, was the first thing on German. Well, not the first thing, but, you know, it was on German news this morning. So, you know, be, be ready for a whole load of really absurd stories um, and follow Solomon Kalu on Facebook because he's, he's, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite bizarre, some of the stuff that's going on. But do you guys find yourself watching TV and it seems a bit strange that people are yeah, hugging or seeing each other? It's, it's very strange how quickly things will go back. And... I guess it'd be interesting to think how quickly might the world just go back to normal after this? Do we think that it will take time? Or do we think that we, you know, even, I don't know, when the vaccine's done and all that kind of people forget about this? I don't, I don't foresee this being forgotten for a long time. This is, is a football question. It? Is it a football no. question, Ollie, or a general question? Well, it's a general question, really, and a football question at the same time, because, yeah, it's football and society all linked together. Trying to explain this to kids at the moment is, is interesting because, that, you know, my children are less than 10, you know, 10, 11. And this is such a unique moment in history for all of us, even in our lifetimes, that we've never had to deal with anything like this We before. just say kids and old people as well. There's a, there's a well, real, true. you know. Yeah. I've, um, they don't... In, in a crisis, there's opportunity. So I've been teaching my three-year-old and I said to her the other day, I said, why are all these people ill, Ellaby? And she said, because they don't wash their hands and they don't say please or thank you. That's like correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is interesting in that whole how long it takes to back to normal. You know, we can put football in its microcosm of the of the bubble we live in and we love. But you know, that's one sport. That's just sport. You've got cricket, rugby, you know, golf, all the different sports that are going through the same process, looking at the same answers and the same difficult questions that need to be answered. And that's just sport. There's entertainment. There's you know the arts. There's everybody's jobs you know I, I imagine some of us are off on furlough or, or probably not getting paid as much as we were and you know those to me are the key questions this is all really interesting and, and as football fans we love it but trying to get back to the sense of normality is where I'd like to get first than getting into a football stadium as much as I love it yeah of course for many folks um Glenn, it, it, it isn't like that it's a business 
Uh, it, it, I think you're totally right for the seven of us uh, who are talking here this evening. You know, we, we follow it as fans, but uh, the fact that it's a business with um, with, with all the contractual relationships that exist yeah. will, I guess, inevitably um, um, change the way that many many look at it and many react. Brilliant. Yeah. Any any? It feels like we're coming to a close. Any final comments or any points that people have really been keen to kind of raise? Is it worth talking about just how poor it is to watch football on the telly with no fans in the stadium? Like those, you know, everybody saw the Man, the Man United game in the Europa League about a week before mm. the lockdown. There was no absolute, it was dreadful to watch. You know, is, is that something that people are even going to watch when they bring it back? That was like, like England, England played Croatia, didn't they, year before last, I think, when Croatia had a ban because of fan trouble. And all you could hear throughout the whole game was Jordan Henderson trapping off at people. Right. <laughs> I'm no interest in watching that. The funny thing is, they're talking about the Premier League and Championship resuming and then playing almost four games a day televised. Like, honestly, have you got that nothing else to do but to sit there and watch those games? They're going to be dreadful. Right? Football without fans is just like a load of people kicking a sack of air around a pitch, right? a, a, a field. I just don't think it's got the appeal. I think it's, ahead, probably just, it's probably just worth pointing out that Sam Ricketts, was pretty much ahead of the curve on this one because he's been socially distanced in our strikers all season. So he already had that lockdown in place, you know, from, from August onwards. So I think we should all take a leaf out of Sam's book and keep well away from each other. An interesting one on Phil's point is, you know, is it, uh, show our hands on the screen now, but who will watch a German game of football next weekend? Yeah, I, I would as well. well I did cancel BT Sport, but I'm going to have to get it back, I think. So that's, you know, that's a majority. So I suppose there is, there is still uh, an appetite for football. I suppose that's maybe reflected on it's the first game back But the appetite is good. Yeah, it's novelty. But the yeah, appetite, yeah, you'll watch one game. Will you watch a second, a third, a fourth game? We all did Joe Wicks in the first week, didn't we? Come on. Nobody's <laughs> doing that anymore, are they? <laughs> did we do it in the first week? We, we I did it first week. <laughs> didn't get that memo. Some of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, you know, as I say, that German football is going to be the big test. We've talked about that a few times. So I don't know. Yeah, Ollie, we're kind of wrapping up, aren't we? Any other points other than what Tom had to say? You know, sort of kind of wrapping it up. Anything, anything we haven't covered? There's probably loads we haven't covered. Brilliant. No, cheers, guys. We have covered Thanks it. for joining us. <laughs> yeah, we've covered everything um, in about an hour or so, just over an hour. So yeah, big thanks for you guys for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's been yeah, it's been interesting. We've gone off on lots of tangents as predicted. It's been a bit scattergun, hasn't it, Ollie? But I think that was the nature of the discussion we're having, so I'm, I'm not really that yeah. surprised about it. And, um, yeah, I guess we've got, we've got some lines in the sand that people have made, so we can revisit that down the line on the podcast. And I guess it's uh, above us to sort of say thank you for everyone that's joined us. So, yeah, cheers, Phil. He's waving. He didn't use anything. Chris, thanks for joining us again. Thanks very much. No worries. Tom, how are you doing? Thanks for joining thanks. us. Thank you, yeah. I look forward to the day when we're going to see Omar Beckles jockeying a ball out of play for a goal kick. That's going to be such a... Sweet moment. Yeah, <laughs> you have to get the word jockeying in there. There's been some discussion that Mike and, and Tom may well want to record a jockeying special for the Salad Cast one day, Ollie. So we'll keep that under consideration. Um, yes, yeah, so just that, Tom. Uh, Mike, I shall see you soon, no doubt, as a family bubble when they're established. But cheers for joining yeah. us. Keep your distance, but I'll see you at some <laughs> point. Cheers. And thank you for your debut, Dan. It was really good to get your uh, view and opinion. And, and hopefully we can have you on for a normal episode down the line sometime. Uh, very much a pleasure. Cheers, Glenn. Oh!